screen. Yeldon, 30, 25. Make 20, a man miss. Right. He's going to go. He's yes. Utah shovel pass in the middle, picked up by Darius, Marcel Darius, Darius to the 15, he spins to the 5, touchdown! Must win to make the NCAA tournament, Sexton, got it, he got it, he got it! Here's Tua, stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws, end zone, touchdown! Touchdown, Alabama, Devontae Smith! Touchdown, Alabama! I'd like for the people to remember me as being a, a winner, because I ain't never been nothing but a winner. All right, what's going on, guys? Uh, welcome back to another episode of the uh, Crimson Crackers podcast. Uh, we're filming this on Thursday night. Um, it's the first time we've done that. And uh, I'm beginning to realize that we are a, a spontaneous uh, program. And I think the best way to describe how we do things is like, it's like running an HB draw on third and ten. Just, yeah, it's like it's like a Lane Kiffin 2015. Let's just you know run the ball on third third and long. <laughs> see if we can catch him off guard. Because Jalen, you know, Jalen won't be able to do anything. So <laughs> yeah, we, we just don't we don't really know we're doing it sometimes. But again, I'm I'm glad y'all are listening. And uh, uh, you know, every week I, we say that we're gonna uh, give y'all more consistent uh, time timing of what we're gonna do, but. Uh, we're lying to you, so because we're not going to do that. Um, anyways, I mean, I guess a, a good like a good place to start off is, um, you know, what happened at the PGA Championship. Uh, even though it was, you know, Sunday, which now it's it's Thursday, um, it was it was an amazing tournament, and it turned out a lot better than I thought it would going into a Sunday. Yeah. Um... Not really surprising that Justin Thomas did what he did because I mean he really he really shows out um at the at that the major the PGA championship most mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, so not not too surprising, but just the fact on day three he was like, you know, or not day three, I guess it's day two, he was, you know, up around, you know, top five, top ten, lingering, and then then he took his then you want to say he took his lead the next day. Yeah, I mean, seeing uh, well, I, I never, I never heard of the guy Mito Pereira. Uh, he's really young, out of Chile, Chile, I guess is how they say it. Um, shout out, you know, Ch- Chile. I'm, I'm cultured. Um, <laughs> shout out Chile. <laughs> shout out Birch Chile at Waffle House. <laughs> um, yeah, he was playing really good. Uh. You know, I mean, I know it's hard to see guys like Mito come around in, in majors and actually prevail in, in those in those tough situations. Um, you know, in the last day, he had a lot of great up and downs, uh, you know, safe par on the back nine. But that that 18 was just cruel to watch. Um, double bogey did just Wow. Yeah. And that swing, I don't know what the hell he was doing. I know he was trying to fade it into the fairway because uh, that's his play. But his swing went like sideways, like his arms just like died. In the middle of a swing. Yeah, I would say the the pressure just you know it 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 can hit anybody. Yeah, it but for him it was it was a little 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 too much, and uh, and JT and Delatoris uh, ended up going to a playoff because of it. Yeah, I mean a lot of people think that uh, Prayer lost that tournament off of eighteen, but if you look at seventeen, you know on that short par three, I mean short par four, he uh. He had a fantastic drive and uh, a good chip left, left him probably about 10 feet for, for birdie, and he left it about a centimeter short. Um, if he makes that birdie, all he has to do is make a double bogey and he wins the tournament. Right. Um, yeah, and he, uh, you know, I guess missing that putt put him in a tight situation in his, in his mind, and, you know, and see, seeing him collapse like that was, was sad to see. But, uh, you know, you never like seeing guys come out that way. But of course, I was going for JT, and I wanted to see a playoff because that's just you know watching good golf is amazing. Um, but I still feel bad for the guy though. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's funny thing was is when we were the last podcast when we we're you know making our picks for the uh, PGA Championship, and I was looking at the odds, and I was looking at the odds list, and I saw Zella Torres, and I was like, I want to make this pick, but. 
I don't know. It's just, I don't know. It, I feel like it'd just be a, you know, a fun thing. Cause I, I sometimes I always want to pick him. And the fact that this one time that I really don't really pick him, he finished a second. So, uh, of course, and you know, uh, Masiyama, like, where'd he finish? Uh, uh I think he's like plus eight or something. Yeah. Plus yeah. nine. He finished like 60th. There's a lot yeah. of guys like that who are supposed to be good, good this week. Like, like Spieth. I thought he was, I think I picked him to win and he was, he was got off the entire week. And, um, yeah, I mean, going back to South Taurus, he missed a lot of putts on in the weekend, you know, to maybe give him an opportunity to just take over that, that tournament. And I'm, I'm talking about like eight footers for, for birdie, uh, um, on the scorecard, pars are good, but when you have, when you have, uh, you know, opportunities to make easy birdies, and you got to you got to take advantage to uh, win majors. And seeing JT do that on Sunday, and you know he he was down seven strokes uh, behind Mito, which you have to take into account the guys in front of him, what it took for them to like move back a little bit, so JT had an opportunity to win. But uh, I think JT he was out there at a tough time with bad wins and uh, of course playing hard and watching him shoot three under on that, on that Sunday was amazing. Yeah. I mean, even even the playoff you had uh, JT was two under through three holes and Zalatoris was one under through three holes. So it was, it was really good golf. You and Rory at one point entered himself into the top three and I thought, you know, maybe he was going to, you know, hold that, but you know, what Roy does best sometimes is <laughs> giving you false hope. Gives you false hope. And then he fell down to I wanna say eighth eighth place. Yeah, my game right now, it's just not that good. Uh I tried my best, but these Americans are so much better than me. So I'm just gonna settle for eighth. <laughs> it's enough money for my family. <laughs> <laughs> uh but you know, moving moving away from professionalism, I guess we can talk about the uh the fucking drama between uh the goat and the pussy. The goat and the balding man. Yeah. The balding man that's been balding since two thousand two. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh. This. I mean, Saban. I want to say is somewhat right um i would say i mean obviously if you're if you're if you're a person that doesn't even know anything about college football and i'll show you a stat of the past five texas a&m recruiting cycles and how many five stars they've signed the past five cycles they've signed like one in 2018 one in 2019 two in 2020 and then one in uh 2021 and then this this um, they sign like seven or eight, and they end up having the greatest class ever. Um, of course, you know, you know what Saban said was, I'd say spot on because you don't sign the greatest class ever when you go eight and four. You shouldn't. Yeah, it's it's, and for for uh. For Jimbo to be like, you know, this is a complete lie, and then you know, call, you know, he, it's like Jimbo's reaction was, was pretty much showed his true colors, and it, it, it made it seem as if, um, Jimbo had something to hide. Yeah, the, the way his he was so defensive about it. Mm, it wasn't. Yeah, I've never been upset about how A and M has had these great classes because. I just th- I still think they're taking advantage of their the system that they're in. Uh, you know, getting all these five stars with all this money, it makes sense to where if you give these eighteen year olds an opportunity to make millions of dollars, they're going to take it. And I think A yeah. and M understood that, and I think they they took you know complete advantage of of what they could do. And there's nothing really wrong with that. But what does irritate me about what A and M does was the way that Jimbo reacted to Saban's you know, claims or what he believes is what happened. Yeah. Like Jimbo reacted as if Saban was attacking him. Yeah. It was attacking, was attacking him and saying that he's cheating, knowing 
that's not what he said. What he was saying was he went out and bought his players, which, you know, is he's figuratively saying that. I mean, whether, you know, it's true or not, yeah. I mean, yeah, it is pretty much buying your players, but it's within the rules and, you know, you know, whatever. You know, you, if you, NIL is illegal, so you can do that. Um, but is it, should it be, uh, to where it is in recruiting where kids are just going, you know, to make money. It's, you know, it's, it's not really smart, but, you know, do you, I guess. Um, And everybody, everybody was thinking that, you know, Saban was saying he's anti NIL. That was clearly not what he was saying. He was, he was saying he doesn't like how the NIL collectives or how you recruit a player. Um, Because everybody was calling him out for being like, Oh, Bryce Young made, you know, like, a million has already made like a million dollars like yada yada yada. like yeah Saban you know wants his players to get NIL deals and stuff like that because you know because why not but he doesn't want a kid to come to the school because of an NIL deal yeah the NIL the NIL is is set up to give players an opportunity to make money it's not set up for them to make money if that makes any sense Mm -hmm. um for how good you are in in what you do in college is how you should make money not because not for a school shouldn't be capable of saying we have money and we, we want to give it to you to play here at that point it's breaking it's breaking every ethic of what college football was built on you know from the from its very start maybe what 120 years ago whatever to now it's just not it's not what college football is meant to be and i feel like saban saban's trying to point that out to the people he's not trying to attack how texas a&m went through this process of getting this ridiculous class yeah and it, i would say the current state right now of with the collectives it's pretty it's pretty unfair with uh with how it it is because say you know miami usc most you know a couple of the texas schools um those schools are gonna you know dominate recruiting because they're they have donors that will literally you know give you a salary that's pretty much how miami's going going for it same with uh texas they're uh apparently giving their offense every offensive lineman uh, like a fifty thousand dollar salary um they're doing that because they have the they have so much money i mean texas texas and texas a&m they have that oil money and miami has the you know miami health i mean (laughs) come on now (laughs) and then usc it's literally la i mean how many people will pay, you know, say Caleb Williams to come to to USC, you know, to be quarterback is, you know, I probably don't want to know that number if, you know, say a recruit, a, 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 a five-star recruit that committed to Tennessee for an $8 million deal. Yeah. The, uh, what's crazy is for these teams, it doesn't matter how, how good they are. Like if Texas goes three and nine next year, they're still going to get however much money that they, they're getting put into that program. All that matters is how big these economies are, and that's what's really trying to drive these programs into being what Alabama and Georgia is, uh, which it's a shame. And, like, I just wonder if if Texas, A&M, if Texas A&M ever got to the point where they were just winning on our level, what would they feel like? Would they feel like they built something? Or would it just be like, well, the only reason we made it here is just because we got the green – yeah, um, I'm sure they would feel like it, they they made it, and this is this the equivalent to what Alabama and Georgia have done. But in reality, it's it's what you said. It they how everybody else would view it as. Of course, they got here because they have you know millions and millions of dollars to give to the kids. Yeah, and like I'm, if you look at Alabama right now, we're we're making our players are probably make more money than anybody, but that's not why we're good. We're, we're good because of the past years that have built this program into what it is now. And even if NIL didn't exist or we weren't capable of using it, I still think we'd be better than anybody. Um, but yeah, for these schools like Texas or even, you know, A&M or USC, I just wonder like how their fans see what's happening to the, to their programs. And there's no really, 
there's no integrity to what they're doing, but I guess if this is like their emergency need or desire to be good, this is what, this is what it's come down to. And it's, it's a shame it really is. Yeah. Cause you, you know, you look at it from Alabama or Georgia, you know, you win, you, you, you're successful at winning. That's how you get your, your recruiting. But if you're, you know, say USC and Texas, you know, you go average, but you know, you know, you know, Oh, well, we could just, you know, get our players because we have the resources to do so, you know, instead of actually luring recruits, recruits in because of the, you know, winning that you could do in the program. Yeah. It's like, say, a, say a dude is a hard worker and he makes a lot of money and he gets like a really nice, like girlfriend or something, really hot girlfriend. Well, he, he got that because he's a hard worker. Yeah. You know what I mean? But if you look at, you know, there's some people who like a, you know, little, little white boy, you know, <laughs> his granddad is a billionaire and he just takes his money and gets a, gets a hot girlfriend. Or he, didn't do hooker. he didn't do nothing. He just got assistance from his, from the money he had. Yeah. That's what Texas A&M, USC and Miami are. They're just little white boys that feed off of, you know, feed off of the wealth they are, they've had for so, so many years. Feed off the wealth that they're born in. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. So. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, and screw Deion Sanders. Like, I know he's he's one of he, like, I, I get like Deion Sanders. He, I just wish he would accept the fact that he paid Travis Hunter to go there. Yeah, and uh, I know directly it wasn't Jackson State who paid him. I mean, it could have been, but I'm yeah. it was leaked that it was a barstool deal that paid him. Which <laughs> I mean, yeah, of course, like. This dude is getting money to go to Jackson State. Have you seen their facilities, man? Yeah. Like it ain't it ain't uh it ain't it ain't nothing special. Like you're literally going to like a community college. Yeah, it looks like Thompson Intermediate School. Yeah, like it, Thompson Intermediate School is probably better than Jackson State. Yeah. Um which I guess the only argument you could have with for Travis Hunter was he wanted to be coached by Deion Sanders, but Again, he had the opportunity to go to Florida State or go to any college he wanted to, but instead, my dog's barking in the background. Rudy needs <laughs> to get that shit out of her ass. Yeah, that's a problem. She has like a turd on her on her hair, but she doesn't let anybody take it off. So she just she's a real bitch. <laughs> but anyways, um. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't, I mean, Travis Hunter definitely got paid to go to Jackson, Mississippi. I mean, you'd have to pay me to go to Mississippi. Yeah, you would have to pay me a hefty amount to take my education to, to the state of Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Unless we're talking about East Mississippi. The greatest Mississippi college. I'd pay their, I'd pay $100,000 to get that education. <laughs> to meet a, a bunch of a bunch of college football players have been arrested three times. Yeah, and they got their second chance. Yeah, got their last chance. <laughs> um, yeah, and maybe win about four national titles. Uh, but speaking of, uh, you know, good players, um, Eli Holstein committed to Alabama this uh, past Wednesday. Um, I was actually in the Georgia Aquarium when it happened. And, uh, I mean, I was kind of excited. You know, I was like, yeah, I think we're getting a good guy, but his name's Eli. I mean, who the fuck's names are Kid Eli? <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's a it's a good addition. You know, it, it, I want to I would say it uh it probably like takes us out of the Arch Manning race, which I don't know. Um, you know, viewing it, you know, as is, if uh, Arch Manning is all hype or if it's if he's truly like the best player in the class of 2023, but you know, I don't know. We'll, we'll see where he will, where Arch Manning ends up. He's already got his official visits lined up for, I think, uh, Georgia, Alabama, and Texas through uh, the month of June. So, I mean, you know, I'm guessing our Alabama's chances have, you know, significantly lowered, but who knows? Uh, he might just be like, I really like Alabama. Screw Eli. I'm still coming. <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, Holstein, he has he has good size. I mean, six four. I believe he's up over two hundred pounds, and that's really the standard now for quarterbacks, uh, unless you're Bryce. But 
Um, you know, I really feel bad for these quarterbacks in the class that aren't named, you know, Manning. Yeah. Uh, he, he's getting all this, all this press and everything, which I don't even really think he wants it. It's just the fact that he's in the family and he's going to take all the, he's going to take all the media attention away from guys like Holstein or, uh, Caleb Braglin, you know, <laughs> quarterbacks like that. Nico Lemma Lemma Leva. Yeah. Yeah. Got no a million dollar deal from Tennessee. Yeah, no telling how much money he's gonna get. That's crazy. But uh yeah, I love Holstein. Um I really think Alabama plays better with a pro stock quarterback. Um, you know, I, re- I really don't like a I love Bryce. I really do, and like his the way he sees the field and the way he uses his feet to, you know, make plays is really impressive for me. But I really like pro-style quarterbacks who, you know, can stay on the script, um, you know, can throw the ball anywhere where it needs to be, uh, doesn't mind taking the check downs, and that's a guy like Holstein. Uh, and also he's a great athlete when he needs to be, but his arm is really impressive to me. So I'm excited to see what he can do. Yeah, we, this uh... – our current QB room now, and then with the addition of Eli Holstein, it's 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 just got even better. Yeah. We're, we're we're pretty we're pretty we're pretty set at the QB position. Yeah, I think like when we got Ty Simpson, I I, I feel like I'm the, I have the same hype for him that I do with Holstein. Mm-hmm. Uh, which for Jalen Milrow is completely different because I I knew how good he was. Um, if you look at him now, he doesn't even look like a quarterback. He looks like a damn bodybuilder, like a pit bull. Yeah. <laughs> a pit bull as a human. Yeah, who can who can run and throw the ball? He's like can run like thirty miles an hour. Yeah, well, he was a great Texas commit. Well, he he wasn't he wasn't a great tech. I don't know why I said that, but he was a Texas commit at one point. And you know, of course, we're playing Texas this coming this coming up season, week two, and uh, it turns out that we're going to be playing them on Fox at eleven a.m. in the morning. Yay, Big 12 media deals. So terrible. They're crazy if, I, if they think I'm going to wake up that early. Like, that's just – it's insane. Like, why do they do this? I, do, do they just – are they just doing this because the, uh, Texas is leaving for the SEC and they're just like, what's just fuck you in the ass, buddy? The only, the only good thing I see out of this out of this time frame or channel is that we get Gus Johnson. Yeah. I mean, you'll be like half awake to be like, what's going on? Nick Saban. Uh, yeah, what's funny is, all right, so Texas has uh, the first game is at 7 p.m. against Louisiana Monroe. That's prime the, time against the Warhawks. That's the prime time. And then their second game is a, you know, a little cupcake morning game against Alabama. Yeah, no biggie. And then right after that, they get another – Prime time game against uh, Texas San Antonio. So, I'm glad that I'm glad that Texas just gets a little break between those two uh those two night night thrillers. Yeah, because they need those to be night games. Yeah, I don't know. My sleep schedule is fucked up. I might just wake up during the third quarter when we're down twenty one. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I'm going to keep bitching and complaining about that time, but uh, I guess it's time to move on to y'all's favorite uh, segment, interrogation. All right, so uh, back with y'all's favorite segment. Um, I guess a good I guess a good place to start this off it start this off with is um uh, talking about Jackass because uh, Jackass Forever came out. Uh, I don't know, maybe a few months ago, and then. Jackass 4.5 came out uh, on Netflix, which is is pretty good. Y'all should watch it. Um, but anyways, the first question is, uh, what's the most disgusting Jackass bit of all time, in your opinion? Um, for me, I would definitely say the most disgusting Jackass bit, in my opinion, would be when Preston farts in a gas mask. That uh, the gas mask is over um, Stevo's head, and it's a tube going to like Stevo's. Uh, like what's well, it's it's his his uh head his head yeah. thing. It's, it's hard to explain, but it's 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 a tube that goes to his head, and um, <laughs> he uh Preston's farting in the tube, and then and then Preston takes a shit in the tube, 
and then Steve-O ends up puking because it smells so bad. <laughs> and even people, even even some of the producers in the room puke because it smells so bad. I couldn't imagine that that sweaty ass. But what's weird about that one is like, so it was done in like a hotel room. You can tell by like the couch and the floor. So anytime I'm ever in any hotel room, I'm just like, dude, that maybe somebody did that in here. Maybe somebody <laughs> shit in a, in a bucket and like smelled it and vomited. But that was that was from the first one, wasn't it? Yeah, that was that was from the first one they yeah. went all out. And my personal, you know, most disgusting one that I think is the worst is when they were giving each other paper cuts between their toes in the first jackass. Um a lot of people wouldn't really agree with that, I don't think, but my irrational fear of paper cuts, like, is the reason why. Um if I it was it was so disgusting because they used like like heavy paper to do it and i'm gonna tell you all this like if if a piece of paper is flying through there like you like it happens in movies or something if that piece of paper is flying at me i might like i could literally freak out because i think <laughs> it could slit my throat but that's that's easily like the one i hate the most i can't even watch it but um i mean there's a lot of stuff with poop and pee that is probably worse or semen <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. the paper cuts worse for me but um you know i guess getting back to uh you know the sec talk um if you put all sec coaches in a beach house show who leaves who leaves first now i'm talking like a jersey shore or like Florida Bama, where they're just fighting each other every day um with the recent uh drama i would definitely say it's probably going to be jimbo because because i think all the sec coaches um would be like you know would would hassle him and harass him for his his 2022 recruiting class <laughs> and that and he would just be fed up with it because i mean all nick saban had to say was that he bought his players and and jimbo turned full you know you know 14 year old girl on her period you know <laughs> mode and you know called them a fucking a narcissist a million times and then said we're done and didn't want to take his phone call and you know act like a whole bitch so yeah i'd, I'd probably say jimbo i would go with uh eli drinkwitz he's gonna be my second pick <laughs> just because that name is like no i can't drink no 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 i can't no i can't party yeah no i i need sunscreen <laughs> <laughs> My wife said we, she needs to call me at 8.30. Yeah. And let me see. Um, Mark Stoops would be the dad who just – he just looks like a dad who just doesn't know how to handle anything. Yeah. Um, Lane Kiffin would be the drunk kid who gets arrested. Mike Leach would be the guy who sits out on the beach for nine hours a day and just talks about anything. Well, Vandy's head coach, I forgot his name. Something long, Chip, Chip Long. Oh, he yeah. fishes because he's depressed all the time. He can't be around anybody. Yeah. Let's see. Brian Harson would um, have sex with a girl who's about 20 years younger than him. Um, let's see. What other coaches? Brian Kelly would do a bunch of crap that uh, – he tries to hide from other people. Like kill a kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not even intentionally, just like, just on accident. <laughs> By natural cause. <laughs> Kirby Smart would be the guy you, you hear over everybody. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, yeah. Josh Heupel would be too drunk to do anything. He just looks like a <laughs> drunk. Yeah, he fucking OU, former OU QE. You know, he was probably drunk his whole culture. And his chin is so long. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. He looks like a slob. Um, Shane Beamer, he would just, if anybody threatens him, he would just say, do you know who my dad is? <laughs> That's so right. Uh, Billy Napier. Uh, I don't know. I'd hang out with Billy Napier. I think. 
Yeah, he'd probably throw some hands if you, you know, called him, called him out or anything. Yeah, Nick Saban, he's just seen, he'd be too stressful for me to be around. <laughs> just get away from me. Like, if I just started talking to him, I could tell he would just start being annoyed by anything I said. I'm going to walk away. But yeah, I think Eli, uh, I, yeah, I'll get, I, I think Eli Drinkwitz would definitely leave in like 30 minutes. Um, so Taco Bell came back with their new uh, Mexican pizza. It's not the same anymore. It's not, it's, it's crap. But, uh, you know, with that in mind, what canceled fast food item do you want back? So, you know, typically for with me, you know, uh, out of all my places, I, I usually, or, or out of all the fast food places, I usually get the, you know, the most common thing that, you know, mostly most places aren't going to take away. But for Arby's, the chicken cordon blue, their best sandwich on their menu, in my opinion, they they discontinued it. I don't know, like a year or so ago, and it's so damn good. But Arby's just they just want to you know they just want to see the world burn. Apparently, yeah, I remember they uh they have more they bring out more stuff on their menu and then they leave it and then they take it off more than anybody. Like I remember a couple years ago. They tried to sell like deer sandwiches. I don't even know if it was a local thing. I just remember they they did it for like two days and then they took it off. Yeah, I feel like with Arby's they they should have like the largest menu, like broad broadest menu because they're 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 competing with McDonald's, Whataburger, Chick Fil A, Taco Bell. Like Arby's is like bottom tier of like when you think of fast food, you obviously don't think of Arby's. Unless you see Arby's, so I feel like Arby's should be, you know, they should be going the extra mile with their, you know, food and their, their menu and what they have. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Arby's, but again, if I saw like a Chick Fil A or, or a Jacks or Milo's, I'm going, I'm going there. But um, yeah, I like that one. Uh, for me, it's um, one of them's kind of a dessert, and then the other's an actual thing. Uh, my dessert is the Zaxby's milkshakes especially the birthday cake ones. Um, they really trimmed down the menu and took a lot of stuff off. Um, I'm in no way saying that their milkshakes were better than Chick-fil-A's or uh, hell, even like Jack's or Milo's, but um, they, they complimented like chicken and stuff really well after you ate it. And, um, you know, I drink a lot of milkshakes and I like, I like their birthday cake one, but it, it was off the shelf really fast. Um, and for my, like, meal thing or whatever uh mexi melts from taco bell which they're not really special but just like they're really small and uh satisfying to eat they're like little tacos except they're like they're kind of like mexican and they're melted you know yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah i love mexi melts though but i think you can order them but it's like a long process to figure that out but yeah there's a bunch there's a bunch of other stuff anyways but um you know, uh, I guess another good question is, um, what's the best smelling store in your opinion? It can be any store. So, Eli mentioned GameStop, and then I remembered. I never, I, I, after I had a bad experience at GameStop, so I stopped going to GameStop. So I started going to Best Buy, right? and Ooh. you know, if I wanted to get any PlayStation cards or anything or a game, I'd go to Best Buy. And Best Buy, I don't know why it's Best Buy and you know in GameStop. There's something about electronics. They just know how to make the store smell really damn good. And it's just like I can already smell it now. Like the Best Buy and Alabaster closed down, so you know the nearest one we have is like in Hoover. And I could just I can smell. I, I I'm 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 back. You know like 16 years old just getting off school going to get a playstation card i can already you know just imagine that and then it's, it's taking me back sir you've been in this you've been sniffing around for eight hours can you please leave <laughs> it's, it's also my iconic when i go in there <laughs> they asked me how i they asked uh you know how i am and i'm yeah. just like oh yeah, <laughs> that's crazy i'll just that now but uh <laughs> Yeah, you said GameStop. Um, yeah, GameStop is definitely mine. Um, I like how it's compact and everything. 
and uh, it, has a, it has the same exact smell. Um, it's like, a, I don't know how to explain it. It's like metal cleaner and, and like burnt tires. Yeah. I don't know, but. Uh, like the rugs. The rugs are nearly the same. Yeah, and um, the people the people in there don't usually smell good, but uh, the the store definitely does. Um, another another good smelling store is, is obviously uh, you no know, Lowe's or Home Depot. Home Depot. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess like every single part of that place smells good, especially the wood section. Oh yeah. Yeah, but their bathrooms are awful because, uh, like, all the construction workers go in there and just take loads <laughs> on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's also to me that that's probably like one of the best places to play a uh, hide and seek. Oh yeah. Hmm. Um. Okay, all right. So the last question we're gonna have is uh, what's what's your favorite movie villain? So for me. You know, I thought of two, and um, I'd say Leonardo DiCaprio's uh, um, character in uh, Django Unchained is it's it's up there. Yeah, but for me, but for me, it would definitely be the Joker from uh, Batman: The Dark Knight. He Heath Ledger plays that role just unbelievably well, and unfortunately, that role. Uh, pretty much drove Heath Ledger to committing suicide because the role was just like too much for him. Yeah. But uh, that he played that, but he played that role just unbelievably well. Yeah. I've never watched uh, any Batman movies, Dark Knight, but I, I know the reputation that Heath Ledger had in that movie and him as an actor. And he was really good. Uh, I've seen a couple of clips from, you know, the Joker in that movie and he was fantastic but um like you said with uh leonardo dicaprio um and django you know that was a that was a tarantino movie and um you know my favorite villain comes from another tarantino movie uh hans landa that's his character name in uh inglorious bastards it's played by christoph waltz he's the uh he's the so-called jewish hunter in the movie <laughs> that's what it is that's his, that's his actual uh you know, title name um but yeah, Christoph Waltz, he's definitely my favorite actor. Um, he's not in many movies, but what he is in is fantastic. He's in Django. Yeah, yeah the, when he's in movies, he's in he's really good at it. Yeah, he's yeah, a, that's right. He is in Django. He's the dentist, but uh, you know, I love the uh you know, I love like the silence and the uh, approach he takes in the movie. You know, there's there's certain scenes like the opener, it's really long. You can tell he's just like interrogating the guy to, to like to his death. And um, even the even the scene where they're just he's eating uh like a strudel or something in the in the restaurant with that like Jewish girl that escaped from him that's another great scene. Um, and Glorious Bastards is a great movie. I definitely think y'all should watch that. Uh, um, yeah, just watch uh, Jackass and Inglorious Bastards. Those are those are fantastic movies. <laughs> Will change your whole mindset of the perception of life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, yeah, we're gonna move back. We're gonna move down to a uh, top five now. Top five. Top five. Top five. All right. So uh, welcome back to another top five segment. Um. So this it's eventually it's it's gonna turn into the preseason of a uh, you know college football, and we're gonna look back into we're gonna look into what's gonna happen next season. But I think for you know what time it is now, it's a good time to reflect on you know. Saban and the players that he's brought in here. So the category for this this week is going to be uh, the top five most underrated players in the Saban era. So um, yeah, we haven't we don't know each other. So uh, yeah, you just name your your uh your number five, and I'll name my five, and we'll go down. All right, at number five, Mark Barron. Very 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 hard hitting safety. Um, he's. You know, he's probably the most more known of the. I would I'd say of my five, mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, he was he was a force to be reckoned with. If if you were, you know, throwing like a 
eight, eight, eight yard hour out. You better, you better hope he's not playing you. Yeah, he was built. I'll say this. He was built like a linebacker, and he gets a lot of recognition for how hard of a hitter he was or how big he was, but he was fantastic at tracking the ball in there. Um, I was, and he was pretty good. Like when he caught it, he could, he could take it. He could take it places. Uh, yeah, it's a very good one. Uh, Mark Barron was, was very solid. Uh, my number five, which I, I guarantee he, I guarantee you he's on your list. Uh, Tim Williams. <laughs> okay. So yeah. So with Tim Williams, um, he was on that 2016 defense with everybody, you know, went to the league. Um, you know, you had dogs like Ryan Anderson, Jonathan Allen, Ruben. But Tim Williams was that guy where, you know, he, he he would get banged up every now and then. But when he played pissed off or when he was determined to do what he wanted to, he could he could beat the brakes off any offensive tackle in front of him. Before Will before there was Will Anderson, there was Tim Williams. Yeah. And I, I think Tim Williams, when Tim Williams was on, he was the most dominant defender in since probably Derek Thomas. I'm not even joking. Tim Williams was that good when he was healthy and and pissed off. Uh and he had number 56, which is a great number for a, uh, you know, edge rusher. Mm-hmm. And dreadlocks. Looks like the uh, predator. Just, uh, for number four, I'm going to go with DJ Hall. <laughs> yeah. He was, only, he was only with Nick Saban for one year, but he had a very productive year, you know, surpassing 1,000 yards. Um, and he had three games where he, he had 150-plus yards. Notably, his his uh, I want to say his Arkansas game where he had like six catches for like 170 yards and two TDs, absolutely went off in that game. And then I want to say um, his Tennessee game, which actually was I think was later broken by Amari Cooper. He had thir- he had 13 catches for um, for 100 and 150 plus, and that was a pretty big game and. But he, you know, he was there all four years, but he, he was only with Saban for one year, but, you know, still managed to make a huge impact in that one. But there were not many guys like, uh, you know, before Saban got there, there weren't many guys who were high caliber recruits or even players. And DJ Hall was one of them, you know, local talent. And, and uh, you know, he, he showed out. Uh, yeah, DJ Hall was, was a really good receiver. Um, my number four is Cyrus Jones. Um, now for Cyrus Jones, a lot of, a lot of people remember him for, you know, punt returns or kick returns, which he was, he was very underrated as, but for me, he was underrated because of how good of a man to man corner he was. Um, even though he was undersized, he, uh, well, first of all, he went to Alabama hoping to be a receiver, but he switched to corner and seeing how good he was on that side of the ball was, you know, impressed me a lot. Um. Yeah, he, he was really good at cutting off, you know, corner routes or curls. Uh, he His play recognition was fantastic. And, uh, yeah, Cyrus Jones is definitely underrated. All right, coming to number three for me is going to be Tim Williams. Like, like you already said, he, you know, he came – he was on the, he was always on the field on third downs. And mm-hmm. almost every time you could, you could pretty much guarantee he was going to get a sack. Yeah, he, he can move. Tell he was going to get sacked just the way he was. He would trot on the field. Yeah, he can move inside, outside on any guys. He had a, you know, great size. I, I think what really did it for him was his uh his speed off the line and um, you know his his long arm length. Uh, yeah, he, I, I thought he'd have a better NFL career, but I mean now he's in Canada playing, so I don't know. Um, he he does have a funny Instagram uh story, so. Oh, that's for sure. So uh, my number three is um Justin Fowler. Um, you know a lot of people discredit the fullback, um, especially in the early days of like Doug Nussmeyer and Jim McElwain offenses. Uh, he he might have been one of the best inside runners with the ball, or one of the best bruising running backs, or just backs, I guess you can call them, that we've had at Alabama. Uh. You know, he, he was in-state talent, not really highly recruited, but Justin was a monster. Uh, and for how good of a runner he was and, and catching out of the backfield, he was probably the best blocking back we've ever had. Um, and he, he played a lot of career, a lot of years in the NFL. I'm pretty sure he's – he might be a free agent or he's retired now, but he was yeah, with the Titans for a while, wasn't he? 
Yeah, he's about 350 pounds now. That's <laughs> all picture of him like last yeah. week. Yeah. Uh yeah, Jason Fowler was a monster though. And he was one of those first guys when I became a fan where he uh he caught my eye. All right, number two, before – this was before, you know, all these wide receivers were drafted. This was your guy, Ardarius Stewart. Oh, yeah. Before we had any flashy receivers, we had our – well, I mean, we did have Mari Cooper and Julio Jones. But in between, in between, you know, that transition between two, uh, you know, Jerry Parker. Judy and, you know, all those guys, yeah, there was Ardarius Stewart. Yeah. He was – you know, he was he was so underrated. I mean, he was he was Jake Jake Coker's favorite target. Um, Jalen Hurts. Yeah, and it's really you know how he was just he was I don't know why but he was so good with the jump ball, and you know, it was just like it's it's really hard to like. If you look back on how 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 his time went at Alabama, it's really hard to see that he how he didn't pan out in the NFL. Yeah, he went to the Jets. I don't. He might have been a late draft pick, but yeah, he uh he was great at those jump balls. Even though he was another undersized guy, uh, I think a lot that had to do with that was you know he was a fantastic uh wrestler in high school at a uh, Fultondale. So um yeah, Darius was a monster though. He and also he had the best arm on the team in 2016. He was the best quarterback we had. <laughs> like I, you remember in the Clemson game, we our only option was to throw it to him and hope he threw it to somebody. Yeah, <laughs> to OJ Howard on that dot. But uh, um, Darius Stewart, he was a dog. You don't really find that many scrappy receivers anymore. It's it's usually just about precision or you know speed. Uh, he was he was everything in one. He could walk he loved, too. He, he loved contact, which for a receiver this these days. The only really guy you find in is George Pickens, which for him is not really a good thing. Didn't Ardarius Stewart get ejected for targeting one game? Probably did. I want to say he did. I never said I never saw him get like hit. You know. Yeah. Um, my number two is uh Tim Williams, uh partner in crime, uh Ryan Anderson. Um, the man looks like when he was a. I guess he was a junior or senior in 2016, but he was built like a 38-year-old man. <laughs> Looked like Terrell Suggs out there. Um, he he didn't wear any gloves. He didn't really wear anything. He just he just like knew, okay, I'm a stronger dude than you are. You can't fucking stop me, and I'm gonna tackle whoever I see. Yeah. And he and also he was great uh, coverage man. You remember that pick six against Washington? Mm-hmm. I mean, the man just loved playing defense. He was very instinctive, and uh, when you when you talk about his athleticism, he uh he came second to none on that defense. So, yeah, Ryan Anderson, mm-hmm. another Alabama player, another guy from Alabama, I guess you could say. Uh, yeah, he was a dog. Since you mentioned uh, Ryan Anderson, I want to give my I'll give my I'll give an honorable an honorable mention before I mention my number one. So my honorable mention is going to be Xavier Dixon. X baby, dude, he, the was, he was so good at defending the run. I don't know what it was. He was just he could stop the run every single time. But he was a big dude, he was insane. Um, for number for my number one, it is Javier Arenas. Yes, he, that's he, a great one. He he was he was something else. He was you know pretty much the start. For, uh, you know the great DBs of uh, in the Saban area, and he's, he's pretty much known for his uh, his uh, pick in the end zone in um, at the SEC oh. championship. Yeah, Tebow uh, picking off Tebow and sealing that game, and uh, yeah, he was really one of my favorite players, and definitely he was a really good return man as well. Oh, he's one of the best of all time. Yeah, not including Waddle. I think, in my opinion, I think Waddle's the best returner. We've had which Marquise Mays. You put in another guy. He was he was good too. But then Christian Jones, yeah, pretty fumbling days. If he didn't fumble, he was going to take to the house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, number one for me is a. Uh, let me see. I'm gonna. I'm gonna to the other side of the ball. I'm gonna go with uh, Kevin Norwood. 
Now, I think a lot of people, when you talk, when people talk about underrated players, I think Kevin Norwood usually comes up. But for me, I, I honestly think he, like when you, when we talk about receivers, he should be in that category, of maybe top 10 under the Saban era, which saying that sounds kind of, you know, average, but like he, he's, he, he's competing with guys like, you know, Jerry, Judy and Julio and Cooper. So, but watching, watching Norwood in 2013, he cooked about everybody he played against. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, against, against guys like, you know, LSU, A&M, and there were a lot of great teams we played that year, but Kevin Norwood kept dominating for, uh, for AJ McCarron, which, you know, McCarron loves spreading the ball around, especially to his tight ends. But that year, especially he was, a uh, he was central. He was centralized on on getting the ball to Norwood, which you know that was, that was a big part of our offense. So yeah, give me a yeah. And Norwood, he made a bunch of great catches. So and uh, he might have been like a three star out of high school. So very underlooked guy, very underrated his entire career. Um, he didn't really pan out in the NFL, but you know his uh his uh college career definitely needs to be looked back on. Let me see. I'm trying to think of some other uh. Rashad Johnson, oh, yeah. another guy, 2008. You know, he, he came before all those safeties came in, like Mark Barron, um, Glenn Coffey, big dude. A veteran. Yeah. Um, Derrick Henry. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows about him. No. Uh, dude i've been holding in a fart this entire time (laughs) i was like i'm just gonna wait till this goes and i'm gonna fart and you just fucking pull one out (laughs) okay that's a great place to end this on Hope you all have a good one.